Thank you for listening to Fearless LA. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today to hear a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Jeremy Johnson. Amen. Amen. Come on, would you give your neighbor a high five, a, a pound it, a holy kiss if you want? Uh, <laughs> the pound it was for the people that are afraid of germs. The holy kiss is just for the Latinos in the room. Amen. <laughs> we have any Latinos in the room? A La- couple of y'all, a couple of you, two or three. Two y- <laughs> I wish I could make that noise. I'm just like, uh, no, I'm not going to try it. You are not going to get me to do that. Okay, no, just kidding. Just kidding. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, well, number one, I just love hanging out with y'all. I mean, this is like, I love speaking uh, in this church because there's such excitement and hunger for the word. And uh, if it's your first time, like, don't be freaked out. There's some just hungry people here. Like, they may cut in line and yell and do weird stuff. But, you know, while other people are yelling at football games, we, we, we get excited in church. And, uh, and so, you know, just think of it like a crazy football game and your team's losing and then all of a sudden they start winning and that person that stands up and cheers, that's, that's what's happening. Uh, and so, because a lot of us have feel like we've been losing this week and uh, the enemy's been telling us that. And then today I'm just going to hold up the mirror of the word and we're going to find out that we're not losing, that we've won, that the victory has already been won in Jesus' name, right? The, the price has already been paid. And so that's exciting for some of us that have been depressed this week. That's exciting for some of us that have been feeling overwhelmed. Have you ever felt overwhelmed? Not you, huh? You guys are always happy. You guys, you guys look so happy every Sunday, but I know because I feel overwhelmed at times. And probably more times than not, I'm negative. You ever just had your negative path that you're on and you're just... And I'm just confessing to you because I can't preach to you unless I confess a little bit to the crowd that, that sometimes I get in this negative mode and, I, and my fire goes out and I, and I think God's left me and he's abandoned me. And is he on the throne? Is he, does he notice me? Does he, does he see what I'm walking through? And uh, I've just found that sometimes in order to see the light, we have to be put in darkness. Can you kill the lights for me? Can you just, thank you. This is our lighting guy from, can you just kill every light we have? Someone kill this cross. Someone kill the TVs. Kill the cross light, not the cross. The cross will kill you. (laughs) See, sometimes in order to see the light, you have to be put in the darkness. And and, and most of the time in my life, I'm busy, like, frustrated about the darkness. Anybody kind of get in that mode, that vein, and that thing and so you know we we uh we had see in every darkness God puts a light he puts a light in every darkness and and I really feel like if the lights were on you wouldn't see this the same way sometimes it's in the dark that finally you 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 stop worrying about the dark because it's everywhere if if light was everywhere, you might be distracted. You might be consumed with the light, and you might miss the only non-fabricated man-made light in the room. You might miss the fire that is burning in your life, the, the still small flame that God's trying to ignite. And if you're in this room today and you've been walking through some darkness, I'm with you, man. But, but here's what I'm going to make a decision to do today. I'm going to stop looking in the dark, and I'm going to start looking for why he allowed me to be here to find the light. And when I find the light, you see, non-manufactured light called fire brings more than light to a room. It's fuel, it's flame, and it's heat. It brings heat, it brings energy, it brings passion. And God is trying to get us to, to leave the manufactured lights called work and relationships and, 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 and our marriage and, and, and the things that we're, we're still human people that let us down and, and make mistakes and, and, and they're the light for a moment. But we realize that the only light that is in them that is real is the light of Jesus. And, and, and sometimes we're, we're looking for our bodies to be whole, but we're sick and we're broken. And God doesn't want you to focus on the sick and broken. He wants you to focus on the light he's trying to get you to see in the dark. And I feel like this is the moment with the disciples. It's like the whole world was dark, man. 
everything was dark. Everywhere they looked, it was dark. I mean, they followed this guy. Jesus gave their life to, to, to left everything, man. Can you imagine? You, your business is booming. Your boss is giving you a raise. Jesus shows up in your world and says, hey, put down your business. Come follow me and be homeless for a few years. I mean, that's radical. God's, oh, thank God he hasn't asked me to do that yet. I, you know, I don't know what I would do in that moment. But Jesus asked the disciples to do that. They were tax collectors, doctors, and lawyers, and Pharisees. They had studied all the word. Now they're here with the word. They follow him, and he says all these things, and I think they start getting excited because he's going to become the king. He is the king. He's going to set up his throne here, and we're going to be whole here, and we're going to have freedom here. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they're in the garden, and the guards grab him, and Peter tries to rescue him, and Jesus lets them take him away, and then he ends up hanging on a cross, a criminal slave death. And then he dies. Three days, he's in the grave. The disciples run because they're in the dark. But sometimes God puts you in the dark to see the light. As you can bring up the lights again. I want to take us to Acts. Because in the book of Acts, they begin to act. You know, as the church, I feel like the one thing we don't do anymore is we don't act. Well, we act <laughs> like our acting like we're happy and acting like we're doing good and acting like everything's okay and acting like we're not offended when we are and acting like we're giving but we're not, a acting like we're really praying but we're not. We, we, we act good, but, but the disciples, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, we, the only thing they, they called them was the book of Acts. It was like the things they did with their life once the Holy Spirit invaded. I remember being in my office one time and I just said, God, I was reading the Bible. I was reading the scriptures. And I, it, sometimes, I don't know, I don't know if it hits you, but when I read the Bible, it messes me up. Sometimes I just can't read it. I'm like, I've been too messed up. Like, I, I can't, I mean, in, in a good way. Like, you read these stories of, like, they were so known for walking in miracles that people would just bring their sick out into the streets when they knew they were going to lunch somewhere. You imagine today, you're like, I'm going to go to Fig and 7th. And then people have come out in the streets and lined up beds because they thought your shadow would pass that way. I mean, this is the, the level of power they're walking in. And sometimes I read it and I'm like, I can't even look at that because I, like, I don't feel anywhere near that. Like, when's the last time we walked in that type of power in our lives? You know, so because we haven't, we just kind of shut it down, and we just kind of grow cold and get old, and, and, and we just become church people. We, we, we sit in church, and we take up pews and residence, and we try to do life right, but, but this gospel is not about going to church. It's about being the church. And, and being the church has much more to do than just with this room. It has to do with this room, but it also has to do with what happens outside of this room in our lives. But these people, they, they, Jesus showed back up to them. He showed them the light in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. I want to read you a, a few verses uh, for the sake to bore you for a second to open your hearts and your minds. I want to teach you just for a second. Is that okay? Uh, I'm a preacher by nature, so be careful. I might start preaching on accident. So I'm going to try to just teach for a second. And then if we get preaching, uh, praise the Lord. God, God bless you. Acts chapter 1, uh, verse number uh, 4, I want to start in. And uh, I feel like in this moment, right before this, the disciples had a, had a, I would call it a case of the salvation blues. Like they had been saved by God. And they had like that moment where it felt like it was just dark now. And uh, has anybody had that since you've been saved? Like it got rough at some point and you were like, you're coming back to Jesus now. You're the prodigal son. Anybody? None of you, huh? You guys have all been just going on fire ever since the moment. But, but I feel like they had a case of the salvation blues. And I wrote down five things that happen when you get the case of the salvation blues. And then we'll get into this verse. The first thing, and if you're taking notes, you can write these down, is your sense of hearing is distracted. And, and so you get distracted in, in case because it's not working. So you got to look for other things that will work 
to get you by. And so, in other words, the word of God loses its freshness. Have you ever had that? Where, where you open the Bible and it's just not the same as sixth grade when, when you got wrecked in your junior high youth ministry or that first time you got saved or that first message you came to at Fearless when you were crying, you came to me in the back visitor lounge, you're like, you were like talking to me. How do you know? Have you been stalking my Instagram? And then you're here and you're like, dude, I'm like serving, I'm tired. I didn't sleep because I've been making keychain necklaces, stamping fearless on it all night. And you're just, and all of a sudden you hear the word, you're like, okay, the word, it's, here comes the word. And like, uh, thank God, can we worship again? Because I don't know if I can handle the word because it's not speaking. I hear nothing anymore. The salvation blues, the first thing that happens is your sense of hearing is distracted. Notice all over the Bible, Jesus kept saying, he with ears, let him hear. Meaning, Several of you are not going to hear a word that is coming out of my mouth. <laughs> Number two, your sense of excitement for the Lord and the things of God decreases. So when Dave gets up and reads, someone got healed of this disease when you were first receiving salvation. You were like, what? Are you kidding me? That's amazing. But now it's like, oh, yeah, okay, that's what he does. And next in the service, we're going to go to the, uh, the video where Pastor and Jeremy and Christy announced that we have elements class. And your excitement for revival nights is now a burden instead of a passion. Why? This has happened to me before as a pastor, so I know maybe I'm talking to the right group of people. Number three, uh, your cutting edge or sharpness is dulled. You don't have a sense of sharpness, meaning you, you feel like you can't hear, you can't cut through things. Uh, number four, your involvement diminishes. Your involvement in the things of God and what God is doing in a city. Uh, number five, your salvation is doubted. Have you ever got to number five? If you haven't, I, I welcome all the angels to the room. We appreciate you coming to service today. But I believe that these disciples had the salvation blues. They were doubting their salvation. They were doubting if Jesus was even who he is. And Jesus shows up to them. Thank God that Jesus doesn't make us come to him. He shows up to you. And Acts chapter 4 is another occasion where he's showing up to them. And he's trying to ignite the fire in their life again. Trying to show them, I'm not a manufactured thing. I don't fit into your box. I have my own thing I'm doing. And it's been pre-planned long before you were here. He says this, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. Touch your neighbor and say, God's got a gift for you. The gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about, for John the Baptist baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Let's go on to... Uh, Let's go on to verse chapter 2. Chapter 2. So we, or Let's go on Acts, Acts 1, 8. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to get to my notes. Acts 1, 8 now. 1, 8 says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Somebody say power. And you will be my... What will you be? Come on, how many guys need to be a witness in our community? Come on. So if you, if you have anybody you need a witness to, you're going to need what? Power. And anybody feel like you have some rough people to witness to in your life? Okay, good. So what are you going to need? I'm going to need power. Not to, not to rule over people, but because I love people so much. I'm going to need power to break through all their stuff that's going on. Anybody know anyone that's an atheist that will argue with you up and down the gospel? Okay, you're going to need power. Anybody know someone that used to go to church and walked away from the church and hates the church? Come on, lift your hand. You're going to need some power. Anybody know someone that's angry at God? Okay, you're going to need some power. Anybody know anyone that doesn't believe in God? Okay, anybody know someone that's serving a different God, an idol? Come on, you're going to need some power. You need some power to walk in to be a witness. Why? Because our only job is to be witnesses. Amen? Okay. So he said, he said you're going to receive power and then you are going to be my witnesses. Uh, verse 8, let me find it again. Bef uh, sorry. Power, and you're going to be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, in, in all of Judea, in Samaria, 
and, and as soon as the New Testament is over, as soon as we get this started, well, that's what's been preached. We don't need power in the church anymore. We don't need all that, man. That's, that's Pentecost. We don't need any Pentecostal charismania. We, we don't need any of that. No, no. Here, can I tell you this? We're not a Pentecostal church because then we would become a doctrine. And we are not called to be a statue. We are called to be a movement. Right? So wherever you tell me you are, that's where you stopped. Denominations are where you stopped. But, but Jesus didn't stop. I mean, we got the whole word here. Uh, we might be called the Acts Church one day, but then we get to Corinthians and we start learning how to do that. So, so here's the deal. We're not Pentecostal. We're just biblical. In the Bible, look, can I tell you this? The Bible is a supernatural book. It's supernatural. If you don't believe me, just read it. Lazarus, raising from the dead, natural. No, supernatural. Moses, splitting the sea with a stick, supernatural. Daniel, praying and lions shutting their mouth and stop, don't, don't want to eat him, natural. That's, na that's natural. That's so natural. No, no, supernatural. Uh, look, the Bible was not about programs. It was about one program, the Holy Spirit's agenda on earth to release his power to transform our lives. But, but for some reason, we have dulled down the power of God to the book of Acts and really just the first part of the book of Acts because after they got that party started, we didn't really need the Holy Spirit anymore. We don't really need power anymore. We don't really need healing. Well, I need to be healed. I got sickness in my body. You, you might believe there's no healing, but I need that healing from Jesus. I don't want to be sick anymore. I don't want to be depressed anymore. I don't want to be dark. You can believe whatever you want to believe. It doesn't change what the word says about who he is. Look, the word is going to be at war with your mind. He says, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Has anybody seen the end of the earth yet? In a movie. So then, then what? That power is still for today. Whether you want to walk in it or not, that's up to you. As for me, I live in downtown. Like, I'm learning, this place is crazy, man. Like, if I'm going to win my neighbors with the love of Jesus, I'm going to have to break through a lot of junk. Like, and they're not going to be, they, they, they get to get to a place where they don't see me anymore. My prayer is, God, I don't know how to win my neighbors. I, I am clueless. I, I'm like, God, I am in a, me I'm a hot mess right now. I am in a hot, I just moved into my apartment three days ago, and I'm like, every door, I'm, I'm in a hot mess. I am in a hot, hot mess. And I'm like, Holy Spirit, I'm going to need your help. I cannot manipulate, orchestrate. I'm not smart enough. I'm not wise enough. I'm not fast enough. I'm not strong enough. But what I do know is that the Holy Spirit is, and he has power that he wants me to walk in. Look, I don't need that power to go to heaven. Jesus paid the price for me to get to heaven. Jesus died on a cross to forgive me of my sins. I don't need anything else but his death and resurrection on the cross for me to get to heaven. He did the work. But if I'm going to live on this earth one more day, I need the power of God in my life. I need it to be a good dad. I need it to be a good husband. I need it to wake up. I need it to go to bed. I need it to have peace. I need it to have joy. Jeremy left alone, man. If, if, if I don't have the Holy Spirit, I may cuss you out. Say, the pastor said that? Yeah, I'm a person. I'm a human. Right? I get thoughts on the freeway just like you do. <laughs> right? That's why they don't let us conceal and carry in California, right? We, we are too crazy out here in this jungle. Like, but I need, I need the Holy Spirit to drive on the 101. Like, I, I, I'm telling you, I, I'm just, uh, can I get an amen? Can I, can I get it? How about the 405? Can I get an amen? God, it's crazy out there. And I need God to get through that. I need God to wake up at a dead-end job that I got to pay the bills at. 
I need God to, to love you and for you to love me, man. I need God. I need God to go to bed at night, man. I, like, I can't go to sleep. I'm like one in the morning, like I can't get these thoughts out of my head. And then I'm sick. And then I look up on Google and I'm like, I'm dying right now. Like, I need the Holy Spirit to go to sleep. Like, I need his power to live. That's what God was saying. It's like, I had to bring darkness so that you can see that there is only one light that will lead you home. And there is only one light that people will be drawn to. Look, here's what I want from our church. I don't want a normal church. I can't pastor a normal church. I can't do it, guys. I can't just have, we have a big building one day and nice programs. And I got, I got, I got a parking spot and an office that has air conditioning. I can't, that's not, doesn't excite me. If that all happened, I'm probably like, let's go plant another church and give me no office in a coffee shop again. What excites me is to see God's power released and people to feel his love. Does it excite you? He says it's going to be to the ends of the earth. And uh, chapter two, what happened is that exact thing. Verse 1, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like a blowing, violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were all sitting. They saw, first they heard, then they, first they heard, then they, so there was two parts to it. Then they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now I'm going to skip ahead a little bit here to verse 14, if you're with me. Then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk. They, as you supposed, it's only nine in the morning. He's saying, dude, who's getting drunk at nine in the morning? No Jose Cuervo at nine in the morning. Look, he said, look, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, not an angel, not a cool dust. You know, he's going to pour out himself on us. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. They will speak about things that aren't as though they are. They will speak not from earth's perspective, but from heaven's perspective. This is how you know the powers come upon your life. When you stop complaining about stuff and you start prophesying about what God says about it. And I'm saying that because I know my wife is going to rewind this tape and play it for me this week. Because most of the time we're prophesying instead of prophesying. And I do it too. I'm guilty of it too. But you know what? Let's make a commitment together that we are going to live in these last days different. In these dark last days, we are going to prophesy life over our body, over our life, over our home. Amen. I hear my wife shouting loud over here. <laughs> your young men shall see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will all prophesy. I love what happens later in verse 237. It says, when all the people heard this, Peter's preaching, preaches his message and keeps going. And when all the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Went beyond a man's sermon. It was the Holy Spirit doing something. And Peter said this to the apostles. Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift as we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then he said it again, just in case you're confused, and you thought the church was just a startup power, that that's all it needed. In case you thought the church was like the new businesses on Yelp when you go there and the owner's there. And he's working behind the kitchen, and they just need that at the beginning, and eventually he's going to hire someone to take his place, and he's not going to be there. That's not how the Holy Spirit works. Because this says right here, with many, uh, it says right here in the, in the verse, Peter replied, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and forgiveness of sins, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit's promise, verse 39. The promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far 
off. And just in case you're confused, for all who will call upon the name of the Lord. Is there anybody that's called upon the name of the Lord in this room? Okay, here's the good news. That gift is for you. That power is for you. That life is for you. That resurrection. How many guys go, man, this is maybe something I'm missing in my world is the power of God. Like, I've been trying to do this thing and work this thing and win souls. God's like, no, you don't have to win souls. You're going to be fishing with dynamite. We keep trying to fish with poles. God's no, no, drop the dynamite in and something's going to shift in your work environment. Something's going to shift in your home. There is power I want to give you. You're not fighting with the right weapons. Look, look, we cannot fight this spiritual battle with human weapons. We have to fight the spiritual battle with spiritual weapons that are mighty for pulling down strongholds. Amen. Then look at this. It gets crazier. You ready for this? With other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corruption. And then he says, those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to the number that daily. They went from a church of 120 to 3,000. So everybody that likes a small church, I'm sorry. God is going to grow this thing. Okay? We're going st- to stay-, stay small in our love for each other in, in like connection, not small in our love, but we're going to stay small in reaching out to each other, but we're going to grow big. Why? Because there's a lot of people outside these walls that need to hear this message of love in this place, okay? So don't get offended when someone takes your chair, right? So, so God's going to grow this thing. So 3,000 were added today. I'm sure that was chaos at first. They went from running a service of 120 to like, what the heck do we do now? Like the house won't work. The upper room, it was a nice place to start, but we got to get the main hall in the city. 3,000 were saved. Then they devoted themselves, look at this, to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and, the, and fellowship and fellowship. And they devoted themselves to leaving church as quick as they could to get to lunch. And fellowship. Uh, And to the breaking of bread, that's a good news, they ate together. And to prayer. So many times we think it's just the third thing. We just need to pray more. God's like, no, no, you need fellowship and you need to break bread together and you're doing the prayer good. But, but watch what happens. When they do these things, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions on offer up and goods, and they gave to anyone as he had need. <laughs> offer up is horrible, amen? I mean, he's with me. You get stuff for like $5, sold $5. You're like, gosh, give me more money for this. <laughs> and every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread together in their homes, and they ate together with glad, sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the church I want to be a part of. This is why we do fearless life. That's why, here's my, here's my deal. Why, why not do a fearless life crawl? Why not go get drunk off a of community and, and fellowship and break bread together. Why? Because, because I think this is something the church is missing. The church is missing us actually having relationship with each other. We, we, have, we have that surface actor fake relationship with each other. Like, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good. I wish I could tell you how bad I'm doing, but we got like five minutes before the service starts, and I don't know if we can really get there in five minutes. And even if we did, I don't want to be embarrassed in front of all these people because, like, I got to cry and stuff. And it's going to be that ugly cry where my makeup's going to run, and I, I don't know how to get that out right now in, in five. So I'm just going to lie to you, and you know I'm lying to you, and you lie to me and we'll pretend like everything's okay and we'll meet again next week and lie to each other again and we'll stay dull see the power wasn't just about miracles the miracles came through a process of them walking out some of these things they were doing these are a part of us growing if we want to grow this church it doesn't just come from doing outreaches on the streets it comes from us doing inreaches in this room Some of you have been longing for that. You've been desiring that. You know, it's not weird to desire that. It's actually normal. It's normal to desire real community and relationship. It's weird not to. 
The only reason why we don't at times is because we've been so hurt by communities and relationships that we're running in isolation. You were never meant to live your life, your Christian life in isolation. Nowhere does Jesus say, I save you, and then there you are. Every example, he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. You are a body. Some of you are eyes. Some of you are ears. Some of you are toes. I'm sorry if you're a toe. I feel bad for you. But every description is like together. It's connected. Like we can't just get connected once a week. Some people would say, man, I don't want that fearless life kind of connection. Like that you planned it, you orchestrated it. I have a friend in this room, and, I, and, I'm, and, and please be okay with me talking about this. I'm not going to point you out or say your name or anything, but this helps my sermon. But, but he said, he said I, I don't know if I want that kind of manufactured someone calling me because I'm on a list to get me to fearless life because now they're here and they haven't called me before. And I said, and we had a conversation, I said, then you're not that hungry for community. Because if we walk out on this street and there's a homeless person and they have a sign up that says, I'm starving. And you just ate and you, you, you didn't have any more cash, but you had an extra sandwich. You didn't even touch it. You bagged away. You didn't, you didn't touch it. And you looked at him and you said, man, God moves on your heart. You go, oh, I have a sandwich. And they go, what's that crap? I don't eat sandwiches. I'm gluten-free. <laughs> probably are in L.A. Probably is a... I mean, what would you say? You probably wouldn't say anything, but you would say something up here. Well, must not be that hungry. Burdens off my shoulders. Look, if you're hungry, you will receive food from anywhere. Right? These people, they were hungry for community. They didn't care how it happened, when it happened, if it happened at church, if it happened outside, what if I'm on a, I don't care how it happens, I just want to get connected because I know that God moves through us being connected. I don't care if I have to move things out of my way or my agenda and everyone's waiting for somebody else to do it, but why don't you just start the party? He said, I don't want, I don't know about fearless life, you know, it's like, and, and then I said this, I said, so like, I don't know how to build fires. I'm really bad at it. In fact, the only way I know how to build a fire is the same way that I barbecue. I put the coals in there and I put on as much lighter fluid and it's gonna be a, 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 a mushroom cloud that goes up and I'm probably gonna burn off my eye hairs because I've just, I've, I gotta chemically concoct it because I'm not good at nothing. I, I couldn't, I would die in the forest. If I had one of those little rocks and pebbles and I had to do this, I, I would be dead. So I, and, and my, my, my method is you put this giant log on and you just douse it with like, whatever chemical you got and you got a fire but i found that those fires number one they, they smell horrible and number two they, they never last they, they burn fast and go out and i think that this is how we're treating our christian life like like the, everything you want is not start with big logs on the top of it and if you could put some chemicals to get it going then it's going to go out as fast as it started the christian journey is is a process man it, it's a it's a daily i'm learning that still i'm 37 years old i'm a pastor of a church and i am learning that daily this thing is a process and i can't have everything i want the way i want it right away it doesn't mean that god's not going to give it to me it means that it's a process i, I keep trying to put the big log on because i want a bonfire because i see that in my heart bonfires are fun they're loud they're big they're but, but when I went, I went camping with this guy named Kevin Steele. Kevin Steele is awesome. If I ever need anything, in, in, if I'm ever lost in the, in, the, in, the, in the forest or the jungle, I don't know if I'll ever get lost in the jungle, but if I ever get lost, I will try to conjure up my inner Kevin Steele. <laughs> like, literally, this dude is awesome. He's one of our good friends here at this church, and he was trained as a seer, uh, and, and, and so sea air and land or something how does, how does that, i don't know search and rescue but anyways he can like do anything in the forest he could start a fire with like two twigs and so so we were hanging out and i just said hey dude can you start the fire because i think i'll mess it up so he's like okay you're gonna help me though i'm gonna teach you how to start a fire and so i i, I went and got the biggest logs i could find so we're gonna do it like i do it huh i know how to do this. so i started building a teepee he goes no no we're not gonna start with that teepee that's it that just looks cool he said, pull those logs all off. You did it wrong. So I had to pull all the logs off. He goes, 
go get me some smaller sticks. So I come back with smaller sticks, and he goes, no, those are too big. I said, put them there. So I kept getting smaller sticks, and I'm like, are you meaning like things that aren't sticks? And he goes, yeah, go get me some grass. So I walk over and get some like weird, like little pieces of grass. I mean, you could barely, I didn't even know they were in our campsite. Pull them over and goes, so he gets down, he moves all the big stuff out of the way and he gets down on his knees in front of the flame. And he's like blowing on it and covering it and protecting it. And he just puts one piece on a time. He hasn't even touched the wood. He's just got the grass. He's like so concerned about the grass. So he's watching every little spark. He spark gets going and he gets excited. All I see is smoke. I don't see any flame. I don't see all I see is smoke. He's just he gets excited, starts blowing on it. He goes, okay, it's it's coming now. It's, it's happening now. He goes, okay, give me a stick. And I bring him a log. He goes, no, not the log. Give me a stick. And all of a sudden I understand he wants the next size up. So I get him a little tiny, I don't even know if you can call it a stick. It's like a twig. You could not stand on this thing. And he puts it in and puts one, two. He goes, no, that's too many. Takes it back off and blows it again. Starts to go out and he blows it again. And he's like, he's not moving. He's not going to go answer a phone call. He's, he's, he's focused because at the beginning of something, it takes a lot of focus. It takes a lot of care. It takes a lot of, you have to protect it from, from things. You have to, if you, if you want to see a forest fire in your life, in any area, relationships, your finances, your walk with God, it takes it takes being excited about the small, the little. It, it does take organization. It does take, it's not always organic right at first. You, there has to be a plan put in place to get to where you're. I know we want an organic fire, but there is a process to what God wants to do in your life. Many of us want to wake up and go raise a dead person. Like, I'm just going to go raise a dead person today. Let's go to a morgue and see. No, none of us are ever going to do that. I mean, that's weird if you do. I'm sorry. I mean, that's awesome. Praise God for you. But that is us throwing a log on the fire and putting kerosene and hoping that everything goes great. But, but you, know where, you know where power happens in your life? Is when you're at a restaurant and you're sitting there and the, God goes, tip the waiter extra. You're like, dang it. I wasn't even going to get a tip. It was a bad waiter. And you go, okay. And you do it. That's the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. That's the grass. And all of a sudden after he goes, hey, uh, you tip me extra. I've had so many waiters that I've gotten to pray for because the Holy Spirit will just say, ask him if you can pray for him. That's weird. We're not in church. There's no piano. What am I going to do? How, he's not, I don't know if he's in the mode. He looks like he's on the hustle. He's got sweat. I mean, how, how's this going to work out, God? What if he says yes? Then we got to pray in the middle of this restaurant. Is he going to feel awkward? Is he going to yell at me? I mean, all these stuff. And God says, just listen. This week, I, I, there was a waiter. I said, hey, can I pray with you about anything? And, and sometimes I'll even help him, like anything. No, I don't know. Uh, the only people that ever tell me no are Christians. You know what they do? Oh, I go to church. My grandma goes to church. I've been going to church a long time. Thanks, though. Because we as Christians don't need any prayer. But most people in the world that don't know God always want prayer. Yeah, I'll take some. Who are you praying to? Whoever it is, I'll take it. <laughs> right? So I, I grab it. I, I, I'm talking to him, and he said, yeah, I could use some prayer. And I didn't tell him I'm going to pray for him right then. I'm setting him up. I'm, I'm building. I'm building. Building. Coddling the fire. Seeing where he's at. Seeing what the God does. God didn't tell me to pray for him. He just said, ask him if you can pray for him. Sometimes we try to take it to the next level, and God just said, ask him. So I asked him. So me and, me and the Holy Spirit are like on the phone together while I'm talking to you. You understand what I'm saying? So, so I'm not preaching from my notes right now. I'm, I'm on the phone with the Holy Spirit. And I'm talking to you. And this is how life works. So, so he says, ask me to pray for me. He says, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going through a huge breakup. I'm depressed. I can't, I can't really wake up at, in the morning. I'm, I'm really. And so we just start talking. I said, bro, I've been there. I've, I, and I start prophesying over him. He doesn't know that. I'm not like, thus saith the Lord. Stand up in the middle of this restaurant and you will be accounted for. I mean, we, I didn't even do what I did with Kevin. I'm just prophesying. You know what prophecy looks like? It looks like encouragement. You know why? Because it's from heaven's perspective what's being said over you. Heaven's perspective also looks like putting courage in you. Okay? So I just start prophesying over him. I start speaking over him. I start saying, man, you're, you're awesome. 
you're going to find your wife. You don't need to worry, man. I really feel like this is going to be your year, man. I just want to, if anyone encourages you, I'm going to encourage you today. You're a great looking dude. You got good things going for you. You know, I'm just like, these are natural things, but I feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me to say it's kind of awkward. Like, you're a good looking guy, man. You're going to get a wife. It's going to be awesome, man. You're going to have kids. I can see it, man. I'm just encouraging. All of a sudden, I just, I feel the Holy Spirit say, ask him if you can pray for him now. So I'm like, all right. So, hey, can I actually pray for you right now? And he's like, right now? I said, yeah, I know it's kind of strange, but just grab my hand. So I just grabbed his hand. I just, and look, at that moment, you don't want to pray a two-hour prayer. Lord, Holy Spirit, do what you're going to do. You know, I mean, you, you don't want to do this long. You, you just be normal. Be normal. Right? Pray this prayer. Look, what am I doing? I'm just, I want to move in power in my life. So it doesn't start with raising a dead person. It might, I mean, but I don't think it does. I think it starts, all they did was they gathered together, they broke bread, they, they followed the apostles' teaching, and signs and wonders followed, miracles followed, and the church was added to daily. 365 days a year, people were coming, getting saved, getting healed. Look, can I say this? Churches are full all over the world, but what are they full of? Are they full through power and prayer? Are they full through promotion and Instagram ads? Look, I am guilty of it. I get excited about putting up an Instagram ad, adding a few dollars, and a whole bunch more people are going to... I'm not saying we shouldn't market this church, but I don't want this church to be full because we got real good at marketing. I want it to be full because of moments like this where we devoted ourselves to Jesus, and Jesus shone through our lives, and things started breaking out. Look, but we got to be okay with coddling the little. We got to be okay with saying, dude, I'll go to a fearless life because I want community because I want miracles to break out in my community and I want Jesus to be if we don't become like the first church we will be another worthless temporary fix for a generation and I can't do that God is not excited about our lights he's not excited about our stage he's not excited about our CD he's excited about his power being released on this earth right now he wants he longs for his super to meet natural again. And I tell you this, the devil did not create the supernatural. I know we believe that, we run from it, we hide from it. I'm telling you this, you're gonna walk out this room, all down these streets, there are psychics. You go watch a movie, they're gonna put, they're gonna put new age all through the movie. They're gonna put hypnotism in it. They're putting skip. The devil did not make that stuff up. He is not creative everything on this earth God created that makes me happy because I like coffee the devil didn't create sex God did the devil just takes what God makes and he manipulates and contorts what it is he takes the fire out of the fireplace and puts it in the middle of your home to burn your home down. But I came to serve notice on the enemy today. The supernaturals is my God. And the church grew daily because they walked not in the natural, but in the supernatural. So he took all of his power and he put it in his love. And you know what that looked like? Being born in a manger, in a barn, dying on a cross being homeless he, he 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 hung out with sinners and prostitutes he he put all his power he was so bad that he didn't need anyone to approve him he was so bad that he didn't need any accolades they mocked him they beat him they they put him in a cross he said my love is so bad i'll put all of my power in my love and that is what god is calling us to do today i'm not asking if you want to be powerful to be powerful i'm asking do you love anybody and if you love someone, you need power to break through the hate and the, and the mess and the junk and the garbage. David needs power when he goes on the high school campuses. And he's got kids that have been abused and molested and hurt and wounded and been locked up. And here's this white guy. The school's David's on. He's like the only white guy in the whole school. Here's this white guy. And I've been taught to hate white people. And he's telling me he loves david needs power not just words not just programs he needs power and that power is working
You know what the devil would love to do? He'd love you to think that the power of God was just for then. Because it was working. Seems like church isn't really working anymore. I mean, we have a lot of church people. When, when you start a church, you kind of swap church people. Used to go there, used to go here. We're kind of swapping. But I want to see a revolution happen. I'm cool with church people coming. I'm cool with anybody coming. But I want to see this city get turned upside down with the love of Jesus. I want people to know that their God loves them. And I need power to do that. I need something other than Jeremy to do. I need the super to invade my natural every day, every morning, every night. I need his power. I don't need that power to go to heaven. God's already paid the price. He already loved me when I was unlovable. But if I'm going to be alive one more day, I need his power in every year. I need his power to build relationships. I need his power to be a good husband. I need his power to be a good dad. There, there are some of you in this room, you're a dad, and you've been trying to do it on your own, and you need the power of God to love your kids like God loves them. You're in this room, and you need the power of God to walk out the call. But it doesn't start with the big. It starts with trusting Him with the small and building and building and building. And one day, you'll be able to back up and see this thing go on its own. One day, you'll be able to walk in power like you've dreamed of. But it comes from listening to the still small voice. And that still small voice is speaking right now. You know what he's saying? He's talking to you. Like he's not talking to me. He's talking to that guy that's standing up. that's really excited. No, he's talking to you. He's talking to you. Are you waiting for the big log? I want to be. I want to be like the prophet that was praying for rain. He's praying for rain, and he has his armor buried. He goes, hey, go, go out and see if something worked. There's a drought in the land. I'm praying for rain, praying for rain. The armor keeps coming back and forth, and finally comes back and says, I don't know if what you're looking for, but there was a cloud, really small. It was like the size of a man's hand. And the prophet goes, we better run as fast. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. We got to run, we got to run, we got to go. Why do we got to run? Because the rain is coming. The rain is coming. Meaning, well, even if God starts small, it always ends big. Jesus was a baby first before he saved the world. Everything God does starts in a seed. I dare you to get excited about the seed. I dare you to go, oh, it's just that. I don't know what to do. We got we to gotta get ready. God's going to do something in our city. Amazing. And you got to shake yourself out of the salvation blues. you got to shake yourself out of the apathy of the American church. And say, God, I don't want an American church. I want a kingdom to be released on this earth. If you're with me, come on, stand up. Lift your hands to heaven. Lord, we worship you today. We praise you today. Fill me up, God. We want more, God. Send it into flames, God. Burn it till the end, God. We trade ashes for beauty today, God. We trade apathy for power today, God. We want more of you, Jesus. One year later, Acts 8, they received the power again. Seven years later, Acts 10, they received the power again. 25 years later, in Acts 19, they received the power again. Why? Because God has not stopped. God is not contained. He wants to break out in our city. He wants to break out in our nation. Who cares if it's dark? That just means the light gets to shine that much brighter. Maybe you're in this room today and you've been experiencing fires, 
but they're fires that are like burning down your life. I felt like this recently that I feel like my only job is I'm always putting out fires in my life. You know what God told me? He said, let them burn. Let it burn what it's going to burn. Take your hands off it because you weren't designed to put out fires. You were designed to fan the flame. And this is what I want for my life. I feel like 90% of my time is putting out fires, both in the church, in my life, in my marriage. And, and, and God said, I said, God, I want to switch this this year. 90%, 10%. I want to spend 10% putting out fires, if anything. And I want to fan the fl- I mean, we always got to put out fires. But some fires, we just need to let it burn the bridge. We just need to let it burn. God, I can't do anything about this. I'm just, I'm, I let you have it. I give up the word. I'm not worrying about my body being sick anymore. I'm not worrying about my paycheck. I'm not worrying about, God, I, if whatever's going to happen with this, I'm going to turn my attention to fanning the flame of God in my life. I'm a fan prayer. I'm going to fan worship. I'm going to fan community. If that's you, would you lift your hand? You say, that's me, man. I feel that same way. I feel like I've just been putting out fires, putting out fires. I'm tired. You are tired because you weren't born to do that. You were born to set yourself ablaze. Lord, we pray right now for all these hands that are lifted. Lord, I pray right now as we are so tired of being firefighters, we are ready to fan the flame, the gift of God in our life. We ask right now, Holy Spirit, you would would give another pouring out of your presence in our life. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would make this the upper room for us. Lord, that when we come here, God, we would set away from everything else. And Lord, we would burn for you, God. Lord, I pray, God, you would break out in power in our marriages, in our relationships, in our community. God, and through those things, God, I pray there would be miracles and awe and wonder and people would be added to this church daily, not because of flyers, not because of Instagram ads, but because of your presence consuming a group of people. God, we get excited about that. God, we don't feel like you're an advertisement. God, you, 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 are, you are everything, God. We want to give you everything, Jesus. Would you grab your neighbor's hand across this crowd? And How many of you guys learned something today? Give me a nod or good, awesome, awesome. Thank you for listening. If you have something that you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. Visit fearlessla.com slash fearless TV to fill out a prayer request or find more information about Fearless Church.